The Big Small Business Show is brought to you by Chartered Accountants of South Africa. Transform the future of your business. Partner with the CASA today. And the courage to grow is business. MTN Business, a new world of business. How can I say, how do you, because um, ta- township dynamics are different mm. when certain things are the same. Mm. So have you identified the next township? What about a location there? And what about you want your brand to create in that particular area? Because it's it's not always just, you know, cut and paste, yes. you know, because townships yes, are different. Are different yes. Have you thought that far? Self-mastery is about self-awareness and being able to manage yourself. Um, then through that process you are able to understand what are the things that excite you what are the things that depress you what are the things that really make you feel really upset today we are going to be talking about a very important uh, topic which is sort of at the beginning of of, uh, the, the funding journey which is to be prepared to plan and prepare before going Uh, to get that funding. Hello and welcome to the big small business show, the big small business show. Now on the show we assist entrepreneurs with uh, all sorts of issues they might be having with their businesses, whether it's uh, the issues you have when you're starting your business, whether it's issues you're having when that business is starting to take off, or perhaps you're not getting the market share that you believe you deserve. This show is for you. Now, my uh, fellow panelists sitting behind this very fancy blocker here is uh, R, R, not is R, uh, Mona Lisa, who is uh, our marketing specialist. Welcome. Thank you, Alan. Good. Nice to see you again. Good. Always good to see you. And our finance, strategy, sales, everything else uh, specialist is Kamaran Pariyachi. And that look? Yeah. (laughs) You see, he's starting. You know, you, know, you see, and you know, what they don't see is what happens when we're off screen, and that's why uh, the only chance I get to actually take him out is on screen. At least I embarrass you privately. Ah. <laughs> uh, the show wouldn't be the same without it. Okay. Now, our guest in studio today is Latabo Mukwena, and he's founder of Walkfresh. Last week we had uh, something fresh. Uh, this week we have a walk fresh. Uh, this business is all about shoes, not about food. And it's about cleaning them, maintaining them, shining them, and repairing them. Let's have a look. Walkfresh is a company that provides shoe cleaning and repair services to the public, working with 500 to 600 shoes per month. With the numerous deliveries and pit stops taking place across Johannesburg, the owner of the company, Litabo Bomukwena, has turned a simple idea of cleaning sneakers into his very own shoe care business. So one day we were sitting at the shops and this one guy was cleaning his mom's sneakers and like slippers and all of that. And I said to him, yo, why don't you get paid for this? Because I would pay you. Because right now I have to go back to work, I don't have time to clean my sneakers, and the weekend is just around the corner, you know, I'm going to need them, you know. And obviously, just like any other, every other serious thing that's starting in the township, people laughed, you know. The homies were like, no, Ace, why do you think this would work? 
la, la, la. But at that moment, I saw the opportunity. I was like, actually, I think this is a business idea because I saw myself as a client. I saw myself as a first client. I got to see the service and other clients before I even brought my own shoes. I saw other clients were happy, people from far. So I figured, okay, because you guys are around, let me just give you my shoes and just try it out. Just be, not because they are friends, but because I can see that people are happy with their service. And I was way too satisfied. I was overly satisfied with their service, their professionalism. It was out of this world. With the company being in operation for only two years, Litabo has a team of six employees, a shipping container as his main location of operating his business and has made a turnover of over 500,000 in the last financial year. Um, I've been working here for seven months now and then my experience has been a good one, a very, very positive one. The guys, we get along just fine. We treat each other as a family, we do everything together. It's, we're a team. One of the biggest challenges that I've faced is the idea or rather the perception of how people look at township businesses. Do you know what I'm saying? If I pick up shoes in Parkhurst and the client looks at my my, my, my physical address, my business's physical address, there's like that level of skepticism to be like, will they bring back my shoes or not, you know? So we've tried to make sure that we build that trust with our clients and even with the brand, that people really associate the brand with um, being trustworthy and being very delivering more than anything. With goals of expanding his business to more townships across the Gauteng province, Lihabo seeks to establish a proper functionality of his business. My short-term goal right now that I need assistance with is just to create that integrated system that connects everything together, that connects my deliveries together, that connects my HR together, that connects my workflow, that connects my cash flow, you know, that connects my accounting together. That just, that now one way for me to know, okay, in this department, this is what's happening, this and that. And because honestly, right now, I'm just like, Touching on this, touching on that, touching on that, touching on that. Well, as you heard, Letabo asked uh, that we assist him with systems and processes to connect the overall work workflow of his business. Welcome, Letabo. Thank you so much for having so me. So firstly, congratulations on, on, on that uh, business. I think it's a very cool idea. But I have to start off with, um, after saying nice things, I have to ask, start off with a tough question before we can, I think we <coughs> all can... Uh, start answering you and it's a question I ask often on the show is this a, a business or is this a hobby it's a business what it's what definitely why? A business. why 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 do you say that it's a business because of the future goals we have for it mm -hmm. and because we are also committed to it and because we want to make money more importantly we want to make money out of it okay just looking at you asked about systems what actual systems do you have in place right now if any so right now I only have an accounting system yeah. where I'm able to track all my sales and... Uh, so you, have you got a tool? Have you got a point of sale? So yes, I just recently bought a point of sale software yeah. uh, where all my sales go through the point of sales yeah. and uh, it's linked to my accounting system yes. where end of the month I'm able to reconcile everything and build my income statements and all of that. Alright. Uh, then I just recently just registered for UIF mm -hmm. for my HR so I'm also just trying to get my head around it. Okay. So yeah. yeah, those are the systems for in now, place yeah. now. Okay, cool. Let's go to, to you, Kumara. This is <coughs> just up your alley. Why, what's your reasoning around uh, franchising as a way to expand rather than some other way? For me, the reason why I want to franchise, I think, is because this will allow me to go into other townships with a strong footprint 
and also how we want to franchise, we want to help more entrepreneurs to, be, to become entrepreneurs and obviously to create employment. So that's one of the main reasons why I want to franchise. But they can also do a container and just get some people and clean the shoes? Say again, what, I don't understand. This is easily replicated, right? Yes, yes it is, it is, it really is. So they could uh, call, instead of calling it Walk Fresh, they could call it Walk Fresher. <laughs> and, and, and then they just uh, take all your, your systems up front and then they, they leave you. They could do that, but that's what I'm saying for us is we want to increase our footprints. That's why we want to take it to other townships instead of... Uh, as your own, as as not, yes. not as a franchise, as, as company owned. Yes, as company owned. Company owned. Yes, company owned. Yes, I think that's what I want oh, to say. Okay. Yeah. Okay. What do you think of the brand? I mean, I think it's it's um, it's a f it's it's it speaks to what it is that you do. I mean, I imagine some of the shoes that get there are not so fresh, even mm. in smell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so they end up walking fresh. So I wanted to. I just wanted clarity on the perception. You know, you talked about the perception of being a township business. Where is your clientele mostly? Is it in the township, or do you do pickups and and so forth outside of the township as well? So more, more of my clients are in the township, but because, like I said, we're trying to extend the footprint of the brand, we have clients outside of the township. So in the beginning, I said to my, to my, to my friend who I'm working with, I said, look, we have a very dope service. How do we get it to more people? So then we have drop-off points. How drop-off points work is that we work with laundromat and dry cleaners. Okay. We approach them, I say, okay, I have this service. Can I use your facility as a drop-off point? Where people come, drop off their sneakers here, I get them from you, I clean them, I bring them back to the shop. Okay. So that's how. Then we also do pickups and deliveries. And this is outside of the this township? This is outside of the township, so yes. suburbs where your yes. clientele would um, not be able to come to, to you? To come to Davidson, okay. yes. And then do you have um, kind of a brand associated? Because I'm trying to deal or trying to understand how you deal with this very problem, the yeah. perception. Do you have so that laundromat, would they al do they allow you to have an association? Laundr I'm just making an example. Yeah. Laundromat in Scienton. Yeah. Are you able to market that on your website and yes. social so media? So we're currently working with Levengers and Preston Time. Okay. We I'm able to put up my branding in their facilities. Like there's Levengers, Sensen City. Mm -hmm. We're able to go there and say, yo, this is our drop of point on our website put it up there when you get there you can see some of our branding there so, so that's, okay. that's what we do well we have to take a break now straight after this we'll be back with uh, more questions for Letabo Welcome back. Now, our guest in studio today is Latabo Mukwena from Walkfresh. This business offers shoe cleaning, repairs, and maintenance services. Now, before the break, we were trying to get a sense of how the business operated, uh, and uh, we understand now that it also has drop-off points, and uh, Latabo's dream is now to open up uh, a bigger footprint, excuse the pun, uh, distribution around South Africa. Let me, let me start off with the, this, uh, this, this question now. You spoke about the fact that you've got now a till, uh, point of sale uh, which now can uh, produce effectively an income statement for you. Um, you're now registering your staff with UIF. How, how have you thought about managing a, a second store? We spoke about earlier about a second store. Yes. How do you know that the individual there is not washing some shoes putting the money in their, their, their pocket and then mm. telling you uh, that, you know, we only had five sales today. 
I think I think the reason why I'm, I need help with integrating my systems internally is so that I can be able to go into the second shop and minimize things like that. But more importantly, I have my guys that I, sta I started off with, uh, my, t uh, my friend Tabang. The, how we want to do is that with the second store, we want him to be the person who's there full time. Okay. With the third store, one of the guys also is at the third store. That's how we want to do it. And number three, how would you handle? So you trust Tabang, yes. right? Yes. But number three, is there going to be somebody you maybe you don't trust so much? Yeah, I think with the, with the second one, then we'll have the systems intact so that by the third one, then we know we can let go. Then yeah, we but when you take cash and put it in the pocket, there's no system that can... Mm. I, I, th like I said, that's something that we have to see how we can do, how we can manage that. Because right now, I, I haven't had the second shop. I'm only working with trust right now, so I can only speak of what I know right now. You know. Okay. All right, so Manalisa. And then, um, in terms of, I mean, what, what most of your client, I mean, you said predominantly it's the township market that's coming through. What a, what a, what a, um, how can I say? How do you, because um, township dynamics are different yeah. when certain things are the same. <coughs> so have you identified the next township? What about a location there? And what about you want your brand to create in that particular area? Because it's it's not always just, uh, you know, cut and paste, yes. you know, because townships yes. are different. Are different yes. Have you thought that far? So right now we, we, we're doing our ground research in Soweto, mm -hmm. Orlando West specifically, mm -hmm. because of how big it is. So we want to have a bigger shop than we have right now. Mm -hmm. And also because Soweto is central to most of the suburbs that we do pickups and deliveries in here in Joburg. Okay. So Soweto is closer to Rosebank than it is to Davidson. Have you thought of doing almost like a pop-up experience there, just to test the market? We, last year we did four pop-up experiences. We're doing another one on the 15th of December, mm -hmm. so that we introduce the service to people. I have one of my friends who, do the, who does the pickups and deliveries in Soweto. Okay. So we're already kind of building a clientele in Soweto, so okay. by the time we get there, people are somewhat familiar with what we're doing. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, your you mentioned about laundromats and all of that. Have you examined their type of business model? You know, like a hub and spoke, there's a collection depot, it all goes back to a central yes. place. Is that what you is that what you're doing? Yes. So I'm I'm, I'm actually attending training with this one lady in Pretoria. She owns a laundromat franchise called Legacy. So she's doing a training for laundromat owners. Right. So I've, I've, I've applied for that, I've paid for that, so that at least I can get an idea of how that also works. Mm -hmm. So that when I, I walk into that, then I know what's happening. So yeah. And how much can one person clean a day? How many shoes? So one guy can clean 60 pairs a day. 60 pairs yeah. a day. And so if you have certain places like, uh, <coughs> excuse me, Santon, that can, has demand for 120 pairs a day, does it pay you to go and take the shoes, send a car there, pick it up, take it back to your depot, or just have a staff there full time? cleaning it in somewhere, you know, uh, nearby, so in the parking lot. So one of my drop-off points is in Bramfontein. Uh, it's part of an incubation. I'm part of the Gen Beehive. So when we have a lot of shoes from Johannesburg, I have two of my guys, I bring them to Bramfontein. They work from Bramfontein. So that when we're done with the shoes, we just drive out and deliver them instead of going all the way to, to Davidson okay. with them. So okay. So, yeah. All right. Well, I, I, I really want a long summary. So uh, I'd rather take a break now and save the time for a long summary because I've got two very important things that I think uh, I want to share with you. Okay, so on that note, we'll be right back with summaries straight after this.
A warm welcome back. Now, our guest in studio today is Lataba Mukwena from Walkfresh. This business offers shoe cleaning, repairs, and maintenance services. Before the break, we were trying to get a sense of uh, uh, how the business was going to expand and uh, how Lataba was thinking about the, the systems to be in place for that expansion. It's time for our summaries right now. I'm hoping Kumar and Manalisa will be very short because I want to really say lots of things. Hint, it was okay. Hint. <laughs> 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 Hurry. Uh, <laughs> you know what I'm concerned about? I mean, I think there's um, other things that uh, my colleagues would get into. I think um, don't take it for granted how different um, dynamics may be just within the, the customer. I know a shoe is a shoe is a shoe, and it needs to be cleaned. But in terms of the perception they have, and I'm speaking from experience um, having run Maponya Mall in my past, and how that clientele is so sensitive to certain, um, you know, if, if I've spent 5,000 Rand on a pair of shoes, how is it going to be cleaned and all of that stuff. So I, I want you, when you are doing your market research in other townships, should you decide to expand, be very cognizant of that. Mm. Um, I, I, it might be something you already know. What happens in Davidton doesn't ha happens, happen yeah. in, in Soweto, and what happens in one part of Soweto doesn't happen no, in another yeah. part of Soweto. So I just need you to be cognizant of that and take, take um, try and, and get insights from also laundromats who are in those locations. It's, it's, I think the extension of the brand association you have in the suburbs is great, but just understand what are the dynamics, what are the complaints, um, because though that market is very, very sensitive um, and can pose a lot of problems that no system can help you solve. Mm. Just customer service and being customer-centric, understanding that particular customer. So that's what I want mm. to um, kind of caution you on. It's not going to be necessarily plug-and-play. Okay. Mm. I, uh, I like the trend that uh, your business is aimed at, which is uh, shoe care. Mm -hmm. uh, people are spending spending a lot of money on shoes. Uh, like our own dock here, probably with three pairs a day, right? Swaps, and uh, but also the longevity of it. So maybe there's a there's a trend there, uh, but it can be easily replicated. That's that's the concern. So how do you uh, is brand will brand distinguish it enough? Is it your business model? Does I don't think brand will distinguish it enough because you know if I need a shoe cleaned and I'm going to drop it off at Levinger's, who cares what's what's behind that? You know, so uh, it could be a business model. The idea of uh, replicating what they do with laundromats with the hub and spoke kind of thing allows you to keep your costs quite low and then expand whilst reducing your your cash risk, because I worry about every time you open up these new containers, how you're going to control the cash system. Mm. Software doesn't control the cash. Mm. You know, it's a cash retail business. So, whereas if you're delivering it at, uh, you know, other laundromats like Levengers, that could that could de-risk that. Also, you should consider disparate pricing depending on the suburbs that you're operating. Township should have one pricing. Maybe you know, the guys in uh, Santon should pay a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, just because there's a different uh, expectation and convenience and whatever it is. So I would look at your pricing depending on the market you're addressing. There's nothing wrong with having split pricing. Airlines do it all the time. Hotels do it all the time. Car companies do it all. So that, that, that's fine. So that's my view. Is it short enough? No, it's a bit long. Go no, but, but, but <laughs> no, no, you said expectations very high now. Yeah. Expecting. <laughs> I, I've got four things that I, I want to talk about. There's, there's a book you have to buy, which is called The E-Myth Revisited by a guy called Michael E. Gerber. Okay, The E-Myth, as in the entrepreneurial myth. 
He speaks about, I speak about it often on the show, he speaks about the fact that most entrepreneurial businesses fail because they are not really entrepreneurial businesses. They are what he calls entrepreneurial spasms. In other words, you see a problem, you think there's a business there, you start the business only to realize that you're what he calls a technician and not an entrepreneur. So I want you to read that because he also gives insight into how to move from, from, uh, from technician to manager, which is what sparked this thought, to entrepreneur, the person who's looking outward. In technician mode, you are doing the doing. In managing ro role, you're managing other people doing the doing. And in entrepreneur, you're looking outward for new opportunity in order to grow that business. Now you are stuck in the technician because you can't get out that and now you're trying to move to the management and putting in the systems and I commend you on that. The, th the thing that you've got to do from day one now, point two, is to start writing systems. It is the most, a it, it, it's a heart-wrenching thing to do, to sit down and write, how do when the person arrives with the shoes, then we do this, then we do that and if they come without this, then we do that. If they come without that, we do. And once you've written all those systems, you have to write the training because now you have to train somebody because they're not going to read this, the, the systems. We know that. You're going to have to train them. And once you've trained them, you're going to have to test that they know how to do that thing. So you're going to have to go through this laborious process of actually documenting your processes, which, by the way, will help you if you're going to go the franchise route, which I'm ha I'm qu I've got questions about. The third part that I want to talk about is to think about what the car wash industry did because it's very similar kind of problem. It's a cash environment and instead of having multiple car washes, what, what the guys who've made lots of money out of the car wash industry did was they made it an experience to what Mona Lisa was speaking about. So it wasn't, the car wash was a sort of ancillary to what was happening. So you can imagine if you're coming to hand in your shoes to sort of have your shoes cleaned in an hour, but meantime, there's a vibe going on, mm. there's something going on here, and it becomes a place. What gave me the clue was that in the clip there, you had the t-shirts with your brand there, and you can create a vibe around this thing, and I think that's something to consider, instead of expansion, rather growing what you have, mm. to make lots of money in one place, uh, where you are, do have the controls. The last piece, if you, if you are expanding, is to go to the pool table model. The pool table model goes like this. I, I, I put a pool table in a, in a, in a, a joint and, and uh, I share with the, um, the, the person who runs the, the place. But then they have the key and then all of a sudden money starts going missing. The model then evolves to a very simple model. I, just give, I give you that table, I rent it to you for 2,000 rand a month or whatever the number is. And <coughs> if you make lots of money, fantastic you make le less money, sorry for you. And I know that I'm going to get 2,000 Rand a month out of that. So it's a rental model. So if you're going to go the franchise, you could basically say flat fee, you know, it's 10,000 Rand a month per container. I'm, I don't know what the number is. But there's a number and you know that, that it's gonna, that's what it's going to be. You're going to give them support and go in and then you, whether they're stealing the money or not stealing the money, it's not your problem. Okay, it's their problem, they, they, they're stealing for themselves, and rather go for a flat fee number. Those are the four points I want to get across, I think. Right, well are you well happy with that? Yeah, well you, Okay, no, no critique. <laughs> yeah, you s when you said you want a long summary, <coughs> I thought it was going to be like five yeah. star, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> Please stay tuned to see what's coming up after the break. We'll be right back. But let's start off with a question. 
what is self-mastery? And, and if I don't have it, like, where do I go and get it? <laughs> that sounds like uh, a, a market. Eh? It I sounds like a market, yeah. Self-mastery, that's yeah. true. A warm welcome back. This is the Big Small Business Show. Now we're continuing our uh, series on leadership with Nolita Fakude, who is uh, a director of many, many companies, uh, has been uh, on uh, the boards of Nedbank and Sasol, and more recently on the boards uh, of, uh, of Anglo-American PLC, that's based in the UK, Afrox, the new D Discovery Bank, and of course SAA. We are getting years and years of wi wisdom in uh, just a few minutes. Today we're talking about something very close to Nolita's heart and that is self-mastery. You cannot be so successful and so uh, well s uh, sought of, highly sought after if you don't have a high degree of self-mastery and this is a lady who epitomizes uh, self-mastery. But let's start off with a question, what is self-mastery and, and if I don't have it, like, where do I go and get it? <laughs> That sounds like uh, a, a market. Eh? It I sounds like a market, yeah. Self-mastery, that's mm. true. So what is self-mastery? Self-mastery is about self-awareness and being able to manage yourself. Um, okay. Then through that process, you are able to understand what are the things that excite you, what are the things that depress you, what are the things that really make you feel really upset because you listen to yourself, you know yourself better, then o over time you say it's self-mastery. People know that um, they will talk glibly and say, you know, when I'm upset, I throw things, or when I'm excited, I jump up and down. You, you are aware, so it's self-awareness. It's about self-awareness, and most people do not use that effectively. So you've got to know what your strengths are as a person, You've got to know what your weaknesses are and what are the areas that are of development that you're working on. Because by being aware on those, you will always play to your strengths rather than your weaknesses. And, and is, it, it's, is it, you know, you've got a, a sort of mental model of uh, Karate Kid, of wax on, wax off, wax on, wax <laughs> off. It's about this repetition, this tendency towards perfection. And, and trying to perfect yourself in mm. some way, in some context. Is, is that, is that a, a different view or, the, or does it resonate? It, it resonates and, and it's it self-mastery. It's over time because you practice, but you don't practice things that are not congruent with who you are. That's why I'm saying it's about self-awareness. Mm. It's about your value systems. Go, we go back to the issue around values. Mm. What do you stand for? Who are you? What are the things that are important to you as a person? For me, people are important. Uh, values are important. Values of trust and respect uh, are important. Um, hard work is important. Um, so you, you look into those kind of things. Uh, making a difference in people's lives is important. So you, you have to define for yourself what are the things that matter for you and to you. Because then you will choose the right boards to go into because they help you 
deliver what you want to deliver as a person. You will choose the companies to work for that have got values that are aligned to your own values. Transformation for me is important, mm. particularly from a South African perspective. So when I go into a conversation, when I go into a board, when I go into a, any space, I like to understand what is the transformational mandate or agenda or conversation that takes place within that particular environment. Women empowerment is important and youth empowerment is important. So when I have conversations, at some point I would like to know, so what happens um, to women in this organization? And if nothing is said, this is where self-mastery comes in. You, 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 you get that feeling that says there's something that's not 100% here because every time a woman asks a question or something is said about women, it's said in a tone that is not complimentary or, the, or a tone that is not encouraging. And that's when you start addressing those issues. And, and also how you address them is important because you're not going to stand on the table and say, mm. why are you not doing mm. X, Y, Z? You then manage your own feelings and your way you articulate the point um, as part of self-mastery. So, so it's, 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 it's an important game you play with yourself. Let's go back to where I get it from. So I get, I, I, I get um, where I choose to play, okay, as part of that. But d so let's say I, I understand that I have certain strengths and I have certain weaknesses, and I want to be better at something. Is this a, a function of a lifelong journey? to become better and better at one thing? Is it through books? Is it through conferences? Like, where do I glean this mastery from? Or is it just about like sitting in a garden like this and going, hmm, and then wh where do I get it from? I'm trying to get the source yeah. of it. So, so thanks for that. Uh, so it's a journey. It's a lifelong journey. Um, it's a journey in that you start looking at people that you admire. Why do I admire that individual? What is it that attracts me to that individual? You look at situations that inspire you, and then you understand that, that, that I'm inspired by that particular behavior because it's something positive that I would like to emulate. You read stuff, and when you read, obviously, your horizons open up, and you start finding uh, the, 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 the language or th that talks to you, that articulates and you say it's almost having an aha moment on something uh, the, when you, you've been trying to say what is it exactly that makes me who I am and, um, and, and al also the feedback that you get from people. It's important, self-mastery, one of the important issues around self-mastery is the ability to listen to listen to others and, and, and using this, uh, this one of Stephen's seven habits, seek first to understand before you are understood. Because when you listen and you understand where the other person is coming from, then you are not going to just respond anyhow. Mm. Um, waiting to speak. You're waiting to speak. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so it, it, the, the, it's a whole chain, it's a combination. And sometimes you, miss, you mess it up and you leave the meeting and you know within yourself, say, I think that one I really messed it because either I didn't listen or I, I jumped in too soon. 
um, or I didn't say what I wanted to say, what's important to me. And sometimes somebody does something and, and it happens more around with women in issues of race, for instance. Something is not done to you, but so it's done to somebody else. And you look at it and it gives you that feeling of anger. It kicks you in there. Then you know that it's something that's important to you. And, and it's, 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 it's all about spending time also with yourself reflecting. Mm. which is why after 26 years of, of working, I took off the gap here to say I need to stand back and reflect and understand where am I as a person, where would I like to be going forward, and what are the important things for me and to me going forward, because I've been running for the last 26 years. We're going to leave it there, and I think uh, you've opened up the, another possible subject uh, around our leadership series about uh, this, this importance of time to think uh, as a leader. Yeah. Great. Nolita, thank, thank you so much for your time and your, um, your wisdom, and uh, we wish you the very best on your new boards, and, um, and we believe very strongly that you will take... Um, uh, our economy uh, to the next uh, level. We desperately need leaders like you and uh, very grateful to have you on the show. Thank you very much. It's been a privilege to be part of the show and all the best. Thanks. Thanks. The third one is you raised it early on, I think, which is what are the funders' requirements? So to the extent that the funder has some peculiar requirements yeah. and you haven't taken time to know that in advance, yeah. Then How would I know that? By researching. Welcome back. Uh, now I do look a little different. Yes, uh, I've uh, taken this all off. Uh, I don't know how my producer actually handles it uh, with me having long hair, no hair, putting on weight, taking away, getting a tan, not getting a tan, growing my hair, going grey, all those things. If, if, uh, if uh, you want uh, to see somebody who's, who's having a nervous breakdown, uh, come into studio whenever I change my look. <laughs> So this is uh, our expert slot and uh, as entrepreneurs uh, what we've got to do is always look around to see what resources we have and use those resources and one of the resources we have close by is Kumaran Padiachi uh, who sits uh, on the panel with me as uh, one of the experts, on, I call him the guru, finance guru and uh, we've asked him um, over the next couple of weeks or so um, to talk about different aspects of raising funding. I think in today's times, we see a lot of people applying for funding but not actually receiving that funding and blaming the finance institutions when there's a lot that they could learn on how to better uh, get that funding uh, into their businesses to, to make their businesses more successful. Today we are going to be talking about a very important uh, topic which is sort of at the beginning of, of uh, the, the funding journey, which is to be prepared, to plan and prepare before going 
to get that funding. So welcome, Kumaran. Thank you. Okay. So, what, what, what do we need to do? You know, we, 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 there's various types of funders, and, and do, do I have to prepare the same for all of them? What do I have to prepare? There's, there's different types of preparation. Maybe, uh, not maybe, I think I'm going to give some kind of structure to this topic of preparation and readiness. Right. There's different aspects to it. Uh, maybe three, there's probably three or four aspects. The first is the business's state uh, in its life cycle. Yes. Are you as an entrepreneur planning proactively or are you looking at funding in the womb in the moment? So mm -hmm. there's a proactive versus a reactive. So that's okay. aspect number one. Right. One aspect, the business life cycle, proactive or reactive. But when you talk about the life cycle, are you talking about the fact, uh, am I a startup or am I mature? It, what could, you be you know, it could be, okay, I've uh, reached so much of market share in Gauteng, I want to open up in, in, uh, in Cape Town, Western Cape, in two years' time. Mm -hmm. So, you've, you know, in one year's time, you should be planning for the funding versus one month before you're opening up the branch. Yes. It's that type of thing. Yeah. Or you want to add a new product line. Do you place the order overseas for this manufacturing equipment and then apply or do you do it a little bit more you know you get what yeah. i'm trying to say yeah. it's your lead time knowing that you've got a strategic intervention mm. be proactive rather so the uh, proactive yeah. versus reactive one. can i can i be a little controversial there on, on that yeah, because you know in 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 my sort of business planning I, i'm more like that i am a planner i think into the future and we were busy building a big project we required a huge amount of funding I went to two banks, and uh, uh, when I say private banks, I'm talking commercial banks, and um, they said, well, when it's closer to the time, come to us. And I said, well, when it's closer to the time, I'm going to be desperate, and the guy smiled. <laughs> <laughs> so w when's the right time? Like, how, how far ahead do you start approaching, when you say you prepare, is it just the thinking, or is it actually approaching the bank? It's both, you know. So. You know, perhaps when I finish my state of ready, uh, the other aspects, yes. then this will become... Can you circle back to that? Sure. Are you saying I'm interrupting you? Carry on. Carry on. <laughs> so, proactive versus reactive. Right. Second is there's certain informational documentation types of things that are required. Yeah. Up-to-date financials, cash flow forecasts, all of that. So, these are what I call one-on-one -on -one informational stuff, but you'd be surprised how many people, how many businesses don't have that readily available? So just give us some of the things because we... Your financials, audited financials. Audited. Yeah. But yeah. I'm a small business. Okay, don't then still, okay. If it's not audited, then just your normal financial statements. Okay. Your annual have, financial statements? Annual financial or, statements. Or your ma monthly management and accounts. And your monthly management accounts. Right. Your debtor's age, your creditor's age. What you call, really consider a one-on-one stuff. Yeah, okay. And some people go knocking and applying and it will take them three or four weeks to have all that updated and then give. Now it's three or four weeks that is mm. wasted. So the second, the second category of preparedness or readiness is just your informational requirements. And it's best to have those things always, just for good business practice, they should always be there. You shouldn't yes. have to update them just for funding. Yeah. But from our experience, 22 years of funding SMEs, yes. this is, you'd be surprised how many of them get tripped up with that. So that's the second uh, level. Is tax clearance certificate in there? Is that uh, for funding? Is that yeah, important? Sure. Yes, it okay. is important. Okay. It is All very right. important. Right. It is very important. So these are one-on-one -on -one issues. Right. The third one is you raised it early on, I think, which is what are the funders' requirements? 
So to the extent that the funder has some peculiar requirements yeah. and you haven't taken time to know that in advance, yeah. then... How would I know that? By researching them. So, you know, so if you're working proactive, you know, let's say it's a major project, you need yeah. like 10 million rand for plant and machinery or whatever kind of expansion. You're not going to wake up one morning and get funding on that. Yeah. You're going to research three or four or five different funders, knock out some that are inappropriate, and say you settle on two that you think you should apply. And let's assume one of them asks for a business plan and the other one doesn't. Mm. The one that asks for a business plan, that takes some time to, you know, to input and, and, and develop. That may take you one or two months to do. Mm. So that's, that's an example of okay. have, be prepared for their specific requirements. Okay. Uh, so that would be the third one. The fourth aspect of preparedness and, and readiness is your own internal capacity. So often the big thing is entrepreneurs' bandwidth is our problem. Yes. And to the extent they don't have an FD or an FM or a, someone that can negotiate and prepare all these documents and liaise with the funder for to and fro issues. So it's, it's not I, a, just, I just want to just mention FD, financial director, financial manager. Yes. I mean, you live in that world. Not okay, everyone okay, does. Yeah. And okay. the funding process is often like a table tennis match. In other words, you don't just give the information and they give you an answer. So they, they, you give information, they could be asking for a bit more, analyze it to and fro and liaise, send emails, ask questions, maybe a phone call or a meeting or two. You've got to physically have the resource or the executive or yourself time to be able to engage in that. If you're only able to respond you know, one week later, that adds the, onto mm. a timeline. Mm. So that, that would be the fourth one. All these four aspects affect your state of readiness and, and preparedness. Okay, so, so we've got the four, we're running out of time here, but so I, I, there's certain things I need, just from good housekeeping I should have in place all the time. There's certain things I need to research. And let's circle back to, to my question about when's the right time to approach? What is sort of the, because if you're planning, you also have to know the timeline that it would generally would take. So what should I be planning maybe in different categories and yeah, how long it will take. It is in different categories. So the first thing is there's certain types of funding that's more complex and certain basic. Mm. If you need just 500,000 for equipment finance, that should be a you know, week or two answer. If you're needing a major expansion, that's probably a month or two that you've got to allow. Uh, so the project of your need determines that. And then the funders' requirements also determine that. If their process is nine months to give you an answer, or three months or three weeks to give you an answer, that all affects how long you approach them and prepare. So the first point is like what type of project you're needing funding for or type of thing. And second, what are the funders processes? Those two gives you the clue on how, how earlier back to, to work. Just quick one, sec one, one answer. Should you put multiple uh, yes. rods in the water? Yes. Okay, good. Well, thanks, Kamaran. And uh, well, that's it uh, for today's show. Uh, if uh, you enjoyed uh, that session, uh, do stay tuned in the next couple of weeks. From time to time, we will be doing um, other uh, parts of this series on finance, different elements of finance. Uh, so do stay tuned for Kumaran, our finance guru. Well, it's time for my reflections uh, of today. Uh, as you know, we have stopped doing my impressions for today. I'm now doing reflections. Over the last 17 years, I've had Tens of thousands of businesses go through RaceCorp, all thinking that their particular issues are unique to them when indeed they are not. Entrepreneurs seem to have the same types of uh, issues and uh, over the years I've seen patterns of these 
problems and sometimes they're actually quite funny. And that inspired me to put together a cartoon series called Carlson Dutz. Now Carlson is uh, a guy who runs a, a business called Carlson's Candles. And he sells candles just like he's just a run-of-the-mill entrepreneur, got a small business, a couple of employees. And he has certain instances where uh, he comes up against the reality of entrepreneurship. Now today's uh, uh, cartoon, um, as you see on the screen right now, in the first screen you see him talking about the, you know, today I learned about the four P's of entrepreneurial sales. And his friend there, this is uh, his uh, clever friend who thinks he's very clever, he says, you mean the four P's of marketing, of course. And Carlson replies, no, the four P's of entrepreneurial sales. Please purchase, please pay. Now, the, the four P's of entrepreneurial sales is, I think, uh, one of the key things that entrepreneurs face on a daily basis, is that we are constantly wanting to sell our products. And sometimes our power base is not there. You can see Carlson on his knees, you know, begging almost to, to sell his product or service, and in this case, his candles. So please purchase. And uh, to me, that's an important thing to note is that as entrepreneurs, we must not lose our power. We must understand and over time that we must gain our power to be on an equal footing of the people that we sell to. We need to strongly believe that our product or service is of value to our clients and therefore we need to stand up and not be on our knees and not sell, but reflect to our potential buyers as to why they should be buying our product or service and why that would be valuable to them. So stand up entrepreneurs, stand up on your feet, get off your knees when you are selling. The second two P's there are please pay. And here once again the power differential is once we've sold our, our goods or services we think, oh these big corporates are too busy to pay us and we're very very worried about the relationship in terms of asking for our money and we see the fact that we paid 60 days and then 90 days and sometimes 120 days all the while we are you know, dying inside as we our cash flow is becoming a big big problem keeping us up at night I say to you entrepreneurs it's important that you two stand up and understand your power as well you have provided value and you deserve that value back in terms of payment it's very important that you get this into your head that you are on equal footing with the people that you sell to. And as you become more powerful in that, you will phone them up and you will say to them, could you please pay me? I did provide this product or service to you. You did receive the value and I deserve the payment right now. And as you become more confident, you will develop relationships with the accounting department, with the various people to ensure that they get into a proper cycle of paying you on time because you deserve it. Well, that's it for me for today. Um, I hope you really enjoyed our format, our new format for the show in 2018. And remember, some things will not change. I will always end off like this. If you think it, write it down and make it a reality. Tweet us on uh, Twitter at uh, BSBS underscore a BDTV, is that right? No. No. Uh, I know. Hey, see what, I, what, I, what is it? BSBS underscore? Well, that's it for today's show. If you'd like to be on the show, do email us on BSBS underscore BDTV. No, that's not what you have to do. 
to grow is business the big small business show made possible by mtn business a new world of business and by chartered accountants of south africa lead your industry with a responsible partner partner with the casa today